right, thank y'all for joining in to the Bliss is Ignorant podcast, man. This is comedian Jay Bliss. And again, this week right here, man, got another one of my partners, man, partners in crime as far as comedy is concerned, able to join me this week. Um, y'all give it up for a very good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Marvin Hunter. Second time on the podcast, Mr. Marvin Hunter. What's up, man? What up, what up, what up, dog? What it do? What it do? Not much, man. I think the, I think the first time you was on my podcast, it was actually a three-person podcast. It was me, you, and Jordan Jackson. And we was actually sitting yeah. in a hotel room with yeah. that microphone and all crammed around that little desk trying to trying yeah. to get our conversation on. So yeah. this is a little yeah. bit more yeah. laid back, man. Yeah, um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, man. Um, let's go back to um our initial meeting um in comedy was through word of mouth. It was mm-hmm. a it was a word of mouth situation where we were both working. The same. Right. It was 50 comics deep. But I had heard of you, your your name had preceded you. Mm-hmm. Um, through through talk and through people saying you don't know Marvin Hunter man you ever heard of Marvin Hunter I'm like nah you know Marvin H you know stuff like that like Marvin H yeah. that was Marvin H you know Marvin yeah. H I'm like I don't know Marvin H and then like it was like we were working the same club but we were never there mm-hmm. at the same time it was like yeah. you were there one week I was there the next week stuff like that then we got the 50 comics deep yeah and that's when I, I met you in the parking lot yeah I'm like oh yeah. you Marvin H and they're like yeah you know what I'm saying and it was so yeah. funny man and um, yeah. actually man it's funny because you say 50 comics deep the I, I never realized how many connections I still have from that experience yep. to this day. Like when and, I reach and, back, and, 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 and we got gypped out of money. <laughs> right, I talked. <laughs> All right, for for people that don't understand what that was, so there was a contest called Fifty Comics Deep that was thrown by nephew Tommy, and he was putting this contest on in Columbia, South Carolina. And they was randomly snatching cats from from online views, or or we were submitting uh, um, yeah. jokes, and they was grabbing cats. And when I say grabbing cats, they was grabbing cats that had been doing comedy for over ten years, all the way down to people who had been doing comedy for two weeks. Yep. And they they grabbed this money because it was an entry fee. They brought us all to Columbia, South Carolina, to put, compete in this contest, and it was. Yeah. Two different brackets because it was two different nights. Like some people went on Wednesday, some people went on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Then you know, then it narrowed down. And lo and behold, I think Friday night, Drew Frazier showed up from New York. Drew Frazier is a beast, veteran, legend, comedian, one of the kings of New York comedy. Yeah. He showed up and we was like, man, what Drew Frazier doing a guest spot? They was like, nah, he in the contest. We were he like coming, he coming for the bag. <laughs> That was what it was. They basically split the bag with Drew, and, <laughs> and we was all there just to, you know, we, once we figured that out, everybody was like, all right, it's a networking opportunity. Yeah. So we basically just, we just networked with each other, man. We all laughed about it later, but we was, it was, it was some, it was some tight assholes walking around that thing that weekend, boy. I swear to God. Man. <laughs> I, I, I made, I made some of the best. Uh, connections and relationships I still had to this day. You being one of them. Yes, you know absolutely. What I'm saying? So it definitely was. I think I was out still active through the military when um uh, when I when I was when I did that. You were what now? I think I still was active duty military. Oh, active duty. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, if you think of the years, it might have been. I think yeah. I might have been doing comedy maybe two, three years by then, something like that. Yeah. And um. Yeah. And it was funny because like a lot of those comedians there were basically using that as a barometer of where they stood in comedy. Yeah. You know, like the internet wasn't really popping like it's popping right now. So nah. you really didn't know where you stood yeah. as far as joke for joke. 
Well, when you got still around MySpace thing then. MySpace was it. And then funny, the crazy thing about that was um, when you got other comedians or strangers walking up to you telling you how funny you are, it kind of like put a put, put a thing in your head like, hey, maybe I am good enough. Maybe I maybe I am beating myself over the head for no reason here. These are my yeah. peers, and they actually they actually rocking with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was it was a, it was an eye open experience, man. But um, we was laughing for days on that one. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad we actually connected on that one because that one that one was eye open. Yeah, it was though. Yeah, it was that that was that was a great experience, man. I I just some of them dudes, man. I you knew that you were gonna never hear from them. After that fucking weekend, they were so fucked. They were so horrible, man. He's like, bro, what are you doing, bro? Are you serious, man? You remember the dude that got on stage and said, "This is my second time on stage." Yeah, the whole and we crowd. Had, we could tell. And we <laughs> the could whole tell. crowd. The whole crowd went silent, man. I was like, "What did you say that for?" I was man. like, and then, well, I think it was uh, BT King. That he had his girl with him. BT mm-hmm. King that told him to say, "Yo." He, he threw it up in the air like an explosive. Your whole set was a grenade. Yes, yes, it's yes. A bomb, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. And what was it? What was a little feminine guy? The little heavy set feminine dude uh, was saying all the nasty jokes. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. I remember him too. Um, I remember. Um, I remember Ambrose. When he did the joke about the the bird picking up his ex girl, and I hope I yeah. hope she I hope he dropped you in an empty pool. <laughs> and I was like, Boy. Man, it it was a poem called "If You and if Me you Ain't Had His Boy." If, yeah, me and you ain't had his boy, and I and, and to this day, <laughs> and to this day, I thought that was one of the funniest bits. Man. That is Shiny D. Shiny D. Shut yeah. it down uh, with her yeah. with her opening. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was yeah. It was yeah. yeah, man. It was it was all that all of that yeah. stuff right there still still got like resonates with me, man. Yeah. So so let me let me talk to you about this, man. In the state of the world that we in right now, I know we're exhausted with the conversations that we've been having as it relates to um you know the Black Lives Matter and and, and yeah. the protests and. Now all of a sudden everybody, oh, we get it now. Y'all got it before. Now y'all trying to yeah, act like y'all understand. It. We don't. We don't believe you. We, you need more people. Um, th- th- tell me about this. Like you are, you you have a military background, mm-hmm. and if, if there's any other melting pot that basically combines cultures in a in a, I guess a a shock factor way, it's the military. Yeah. Cause you can you can be brought up in in a rural area, ain't never seen a black person in your life, and all of a sudden you sleeping right next to one and got ten of them right next to you in a bunk. Yep. You understand yep. what I'm saying? And yep. you have your ideas of who black people are, and now you have the realization right in front of you, and you have to come to that realization quick. And don't yep. be so slick out your mouth for what your parents taught you. Yep. Because you gonna learn a lesson. Now I know yep. you got stories. I know you got situations that's that happened. But what was that like for you? Because number one, you from Mississippi, so you got it from both sides. You already understood. I, I knew this dude crazy, mm-hmm. but then you also got it like people just didn't know no better. It was a learning experience, bro. It was um, it was a trip. You know, I, I I grew up in Mississippi, and of course, you know, you got the negative stereotype of being from Mississippi. Oh, you used to raise up this, bro. I never heard no white person just blatantly call somebody a a, a, a nigga to their face until I got to Philadelphia, until I got to A school. 
And wait a minute, now, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute now, I'm, wait a minute now. So, so you I'm, never heard somebody call a black person a nigga in their face, a white nigga person? Nigga to their face like that and not get their fucking ass whooped until I got to South Street and seen them Italians doing it. And I was just like, they didn't give a fuck. Like, like they didn't care. Like, I mean, and it was just so like, whoa. Because I'm 19, I'm, I'm 19, like, and I'm just like, right. wow. Like, right. what's happening right now? You right. Know, you know, it would happen in Mississippi, but it, it was consequences. It was consequences. Like, you know, right. uh, uh, you could you could just ask me. You right. know, it was, it was like, we gotta fight. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that was that was crazy. But when I when I, I I met white people who literally, like you said, they never been around black people. The black people that they knew was maybe there was a cashier at the grocery store or, or a guy down at the gas station. It was stuff like that. I knew a guy. His whole family was skinheads. He was actually from Arizona. His whole family was skinheads. And he was fascinated with black people mm -hmm. because he had never been around them. But he was also racist. And it would, it would, it would ooze out of him. But it, it was made clear to him, like, that's not acceptable. You can be who you are, but keep it to yourself. And I have to tell you, and I always tell this story, and my, my, my dad used to always trip on this story. It's like, I learned a lot because I was in a situation, and I don't know if we got time for me to go into it, but I was in a bad situation, uh, uh, and my partners wouldn't help me. Yeah. That, racist, that racist ass dude mm -hmm. was the only dude that helped me. Wow. He's the only one that helped me. And my own partners, my niggas, like my dudes, like I roll with, would not help me. That dude helped me, and I didn't even ask. He just went out of his way to help right, me. Right. And that was a like a, a moment for me about people. Right. Because I am from Mississippi. You are sheltered. I'm from a small town. Just that look. You have your your views and stuff like that. So you know you think you know what's what, but the people are more complicated than that. You know. And although he was a racist, he never brought it around me. He never said no nick, nothing like that. He never said none of that stuff. But this dude went out his way to help me. Not once, but twice. Wow. And I didn't even ask. He did it off the strength of, you my shipmate. We we work together. Like, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm helping out my shipmate. Right. And, but I, I have had to slap the shit out of some white boys, too, in, in, right. in, in, while I was in the military. Right. For, 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 for playing and taking it too far and being warned once, being warned twice, and now I got to take your head off. I've done that. Right. In front of a bunch of people. Right. So it, it's uh, the military is a melting pot. And uh, I definitely learned a lot about people. I think everybody that goes in, in the military, it's a, it's a big ass, big ass experiment. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's, it's an experiment. You throw all these different people in here from all these different walks of life, and then you kind of watch and see how they maneuver. Right. You know, how they work around each other. But yeah. Right. Very interesting. So let me ask you this the guy that was able to help you twice mm -hmm. without even asking. Yeah. You feel like he would have did that outside of the military? I don't know, and that's what's confusing. Right. Because I don't keep up with him. I never know what happened to him or nothing Because like on, on the strength of you being his shipmate is one thing, yeah. right? That's kind of yeah. like Drew Bees and his teammates on the field. Mm. But off the well, field, me... yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, but off the field, would that situation be the same? Or would he be like, well, we ain't, we ain't in the military right now. I don't like that dude like that. Yeah, I don't know. What well, uh, if, if I got time? I, I could tell you exactly what happened to specific. Okay. Uh, I bought I bought a raggedy car. My first car it was an '81 Tercel used car. I just <laughs> <laughs> I you say Tercel? That joint is right in my head, bro. 
8182 Tercel, dude. This is like 1990. I bought an 82 Tercel, something like that. And uh, dude, I, I paid like thousand dollars for the car, something like that. So, of course, as I'm driving, I, I have I have actually who was gonna be my wife, my girlfriend at the time. She was flying out to Hawaii, and I was like, right. my car broke down on the other side of the island. Right. right. It was just and dude, I'm a I'm a e nothing. I have no money. Like I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm fucked up right now. So, dude, I'm calling all my partners. They understand, I'm hanging with a gang of dudes. Like, I mean, a dude got trucks. Dude got all, dude got my, uh, mechanics. Oh, I'm calling everybody and won't nobody come out there to help me. Wow. So, won't nobody come, won't nobody come help me. Now, these cats, I've been, I've been fought with in the club. Like, these my that dream drinking partners. Wouldn't nobody come out there to help me. Wow. Like, the, the mechanic nigga wouldn't come. The nigga with the truck wouldn't come. So I called back to my safe haven. I called back to the shop, called back to the job because I know somebody's going to do the section to just let them know what happened to me and where I am. Because, you know, you, 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 you're always supposed to let people know where you are if you're if you, if in a jam. Right. This racist dude was on duty. He had a prized hot rod Camaro that he had built from scratch, and that was his pride and joy, that he had built this car from scratch. Red Camaro, I'll never, never forget it. This dude... Went out there, came out there where I was, hooked a tow line to his Camaro. That he built. That he built. And towed me back to the base. With his Camaro. Yo. His baby. His baby. And I didn't wow. I Yo. He said, he said, Hunt, he said, Hunt, where you, where you at? I told him. He's like, okay, give me a minute. Uh, I'm on the way. And I'm sitting there like I'm just kind of just being a good sailor, letting alert my commander where he I'm in I'm in this situation, just right. you know. And he said, I'm on the way. He told me all the way from one side of the house, Schofield Barracks, all the way back to Pearl Hall with his Camaro. That's dope, bro. And here's the crazy thing about it. It's like he might get a pass if he had said something crazy out of his mouth and everybody got upset. Cause then you might have been in the opportunity to be like, look, y'all, y'all chill out for one minute. Cause the man ain't like that because i know from personal experience but then that's somebody you could probably take to the side and go you can't say that bro and this and here's why and he might be open to listen to it because you see right there that they're human you know and then yeah. like most people just don't get the fact that um you are taught to be as ignorant as you are you know what i'm yeah. saying like there's no way around it i see so many videos right now of these these little kids, these teenagers, man, they kids, their parents kicking them out and arguing with them over this Black Lives Matter because these kids are like, what's going on is wrong. And the parents yeah. are like, nah, they brought it on themselves. Yeah. Now you got yeah. out of the mouths of babes yeah. yelling at their parents like, y'all thought process is fucked up. Yeah. And the parents are like, nah, it's the way it is. Y'all, you you going to learn the truth. And the kids are like, no, you going to learn the truth. Oprah said something years ago that that set that set with me. You know, she said that racism will never die until the older ones die out. And I latched on it and I believed it. That is a lie. Yeah. It's it's still here. What what I think black people have to do, stop trying to convert these races. You can't, can't do it. Can't stop do trying it. to explain to them. Stop trying to have dialogue. Stop trying to reach across <laughs> the table. Stop trying to do that shit. They are not, a bully will never stop bullying you because you ask nicely. Never. Nah, nah, you're you absolutely right, man. I'm, 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 I was done, I was done already. Like I, I never, I even teach my kids, 
if you hear somebody say something left outside their mouth and you know that they're not on your side or they feel a certain way about you, you yeah. walk away. Yeah. Don't ask why. Don't try to convince them otherwise. Why don't try are to you be their friends. Yeah, don't uh-uh, like nah. In a in a polite way, you kind of tell them kiss your ass. And you just keep it moving. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't need them. They're not, they're not going to enhance your life in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's interesting, man. I always, I, always, um, I always find that interesting, like people that's from the military um, and how that uh, experience is. Because my experience wasn't that. My experience, my experience that was strange for me was going to college. Now, college mm -hmm. for me, I went to a, a historically black college. And you might say, mm -hmm. hey, how's that strange, Bliss? And I'm going, let me tell you why. Cause mm. I thought I knew black people. I'm from Camden, New. I'm from, I'm from Camden, New Jersey. You understand what I'm saying? You got to the HBCU. I, I thought I knew black people. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, like I, I'm from. I'm from the hoodest hood spot that imaginable. I'm from one of the the murderous capitals of the world. I'm from Camden, mm. New Jersey, hood. <laughs> I didn't know white people at all growing up. All I knew was black people and Puerto Ricans, not Mexicans, mm. Puerto Ricans, right? Mm. My mom up and moved us to the suburbs of mm. Willingboro, New Jersey, which was predominantly white when I moved mm. there. Yeah. I, the first time I seen white people, first time I had white teachers, I had white people staring at me when I walked in the class the first time, and I'm looking at y'all like, what y'all looking at me for? Y'all ain't never seen the black person before? I'm, I'm ghetto as hell. Because yeah. I don't know no better. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn through the process of how to work with white people, how to understand. Right? I get to Johnson C. Smith University. And I know New York, New Jersey, Canal. I know the Tri-State area. I know Philly. I know, the, I know these people. I know these black people. These are the black people mm -hmm. I grew up with. I know how ignorant yeah. they are. I know how they think. I know how they talk. Yeah. All I tell you, when I met people from Charleston, South Carolina for the very first time, <laughs> and I'm like, why y'all, why y'all talk like that? What island you from? They're like, we ain't from no island. I'm like, where you from? We from the Port City. I'm like, where that? Charleston, Charleston, West Virginia, <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. Boy, we the closest thing to a slave you gonna see. I'm like, y'all, y'all black as fuck. I know that. I say, <laughs> I say, but I don't understand the 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 the, the island talk. They like, they like Igechi, and I like, I. I knew nothing about that shit. Yeah. When I tell you the first time I met somebody from Miami, yeah. whole different type of nigga. I'm like, yo, yeah. like I, I don't know. Like people from the yeah. South, I mm -hmm. met, I met black people from Alaska. I met yeah. black people from Compton. Yeah. I met black people from Milwaukee, and I'm going, yo, y'all are different. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And, and that was the shock. That was the culture shock. Mm. On top of that, we had exchange students, white people from Russia. Yeah. At our school. Like, like these are the things that I'm going through at college. Yeah. And I'm going, and I could, I don't think I would have been able to cope going to a predominantly white university. Mm. I got that from when I was in, in the suburbs. I got yeah. that from when I was in the suburbs. But mm. I needed to go back. I needed to go backwards and go to a yeah. black school. For me to be like, I'm I'm with these people. Like this is this is amazing let me, to me. Let me ask you this: During your life, have you ever went through periods of time to where you was the only speck of pepper in in, in the salt? Like you you was the only black person, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for for long periods of time, where you 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 enhanced and developed your code switch. Like 
You know what I'm saying? I said, so you know, you know my background. I'm gonna go ahead and explain to everybody. You know, I was in corporate America. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm graduating from an HBCU. I get hired to work for Aldi Foods, mm-hmm. which was, you know, a German company. Yeah. I'm 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 a prized possession by the time they hire me. Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. in there, you know, we could have had no facial hair. At the yeah. time we was working there, you weren't even allowed to wear a blue dress shirt. You had to have a white dress shirt on. You understand know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, I get up in there and um you know, they hire me with the idea of we gonna put him in the inner city. Mm. Cause they knew. Yeah. They knew my background. They like this dude from Canada, New Jersey. This is exactly yeah. who we need in our in our inner city stores. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But even go even after leaving there, I went to Bank of America. Now yeah. get it, get it, you know, understand that's more culture. But there's plenty of times I've been in a meeting and I was the only black person to walk in there. Yeah. Now here's the code switch thing that you gotta understand. My code switching come from just my intelligence. It don't come from nothing else. It don't come from me trying to be white or anything like that. I just know how to articulate. Yeah. The other thing is, when I answer the phone at Bank of America, mm-hmm. well, thank you for calling Bank of America. This is just how can I help you, right? After they say, hey, this, this is such as a, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. I don't care who it is on the other end of the line. It can yeah. be my boss's boss. What's up? Yeah. What's up? What can I do for you? Yeah. It's not, hey, sir, how are you? Yeah. It's what, what's up? When I join phone calls, beep. All right, who's this? Hey, this is Jay. Oh, yeah. hey, 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 thanks for joining. What's up? Mm-hmm. People always be, take me little instant messages. Why do you always say what's up? Because that's how I speak to people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like they're not, that's not professional. It is professional. They understand what it means. Like, why we feel like we got to talk in a certain manner. You understand my, my lingo. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not going to change yeah. who I am. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But that was one thing that I always battled with myself. Like, um, when you walking downtown and you in your suit and tie and you walking with your colleagues and you see one of your partners walking down the street in the opposite direction coming towards you yeah. in a hoodie and some Tims, do you not speak to him? Um, Hell nah. I would stop and I would speak to him like I was standing on the corner. What up, my dude? Yeah. It didn't change for me. It didn't change yeah. for me. And the reason why it never changed for me because I got to let them know that this man ain't a threat. But don't let this suit fool you. I do yeah. have a life outside of this, and this is good people right here. Yeah. You ever had a white co-worker Hollywood you off work? Oh, absolutely. Ain't that funny? Ain't that yeah. weird? Absolutely. Like, you my boy at work, but then I see you off work with your family, and you kind of stand office? Yeah. But, you know, but you know me. You know, I'm, and I think you know me. I, I want to smoke. I'm full confrontation. So I'm the dude that'll be like, "Yo, what was that all about, man?" Like, like, and and, and confront them in front of people. Like, yeah. yo, why you why you halfway speak to me, man? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that type of deal. Like, I want all the smoke. Like, I yeah. <laughs> like people be like, I don't like confrontation. I'm like, I want answers. Yeah. Like, I want oh, answers. I would, I would, I would, I would talk when I get that vibe from. I would talk to him just like I do at work, even in front of his family. Mm-hmm. I would say, "Oh, you like that? Oh, what up, dog? Hey, man, you know why we? I would do that stuff in front of his wife, and she'd be looking horrified. Yeah, this is you know your dude is two different guys. You know, what I'm saying? right? He's my friend at work, and we talk crazy, and now he, you know, he got his stick stick up his ass. So it, it's a, uh, it's always weird when I see that. I. I do think it's important for to take kids, black kids, out of their comfort zone, and you throw them in those type of real life situations. Because if you, if you just remain around your people, I think that 
that cow might may damage you. It will. It will hinder you, you know, in life. So it I'm will. always an advocate of, you know, put your child in an uncomfortable situation. They need to be around other type of people, different experiences and stuff like that, you know. Right. And the thing about it is, you know, when you out somewhere, you hear somebody and they be like, I'm ghetto, I don't care, you know, stuff like that. I go, you don't care because you have, you weren't taught different. Or you choose not to you choose not to reform who you are. But that's fine. You you can be ignorant. You know, like if I'm out of the restaurant and I hear people at the table and they extra loud. And they don't gotta be black people, it can be anybody. They extra loud. Yeah. I'm always I'm always able to tell my kids that parents never taught them anything. And yeah. what their parents did teach them, they didn't adhere to it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, and, that, you, and that's you, you definitely you definitely gotta be able to uh adjust yourself and people say that you don't they're, they're fooling themselves they full of shit you cannot be a, a coon around or around a, a bunch of white people that's detrimental but you also can't be malcolm x and that turn the whole time either so that <laughs> that is that is detrimental also yeah. so it's just a we have to walk that tight rope i i hate that we do but it's like it's like we are we got to play their game because we we on their court. We are, right. they got they on the ball. They on the court. They on the goal. You know, it's their yard. You just got to learn their, their their rules and beat them at their own rules. That's kind of how you know. I had an analogy I used to use um, when it comes to how it feels to be black in America. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge football fan, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I went down to Atlanta one time for a Monday night game where the Eagles was playing the Falcons. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking into the arena. Um, and you know, you got Eagles jersey on. I'm there with my cousins, my cousins is Falcon fans. I'm walking around, but every time I see an Eagles fan, we yelling out, Go birds! You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We, 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 an away team, yeah, but we walking through there, but we got pride and yeah. we dapping each other up, like, Yeah, mm -hmm. man, they don't even know what's going on, but we outnumbered, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. you, when you see somebody else that's on your team, yeah, you, you got a smile on your face. And you you feel good at that moment because you like yep. yo they with me right yep yep that's our life within America yeah we the away team all the mm -hmm. time we are never home we are always the away team so when you yeah. see somebody rocking your jersey you automatically feel good about it I like that's that I like that analogy man I might have to take that one that, that's yeah. good I like that I like that's exactly that. who we are we we are forever the away team and that's yeah. who we are gonna be. But you got people rocking your jersey. And when you see somebody rocking your jersey, all you can say is go birds. You know, um, I had a I had a guy who was working for me, you know, uh, when I was in the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was on a tender, which is like, uh, there's that's like 1,400 people on tender. Tender's a pretty a nice size boat. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a series of jobs. We was underway. And so we, we got, he got a pad and pencil and then we walking around doing inspections and stuff. Every black person we passed either gave me a pound, a dap, a head nod, or something. They never said nothing to him because they didn't know him. Right. And I didn't even notice it. Like, we, we walk around for maybe a couple hours doing different ship check out structure planning stuff and different departments. And, um, and, and the guy worked for me, he said, Hunt, man, let me ask you something. He said, why, why is it that? Do you know all those people? I was like, no, nah, not really. I see him around. He's like, 
why do they all just go out of their way to speak to you as if they know you, but no one ever spoke to me or said nothing? And I hadn't even, I didn't really even know how to respond. It took me by surprise. I just started kind of laughing. I was like, hey, bro, it's this thing. It's this yeah. black thing, man. We, yeah. we all we got. Like, yeah. you know, uh, we, uh, it's in us. It's in us. If I see another dark face, that's my guy. Really. That's my dude, right? Yeah. Until he showed me his ass that he's not. I'm gonna assume yeah. that's my guy. Yeah, and absolutely. He was, he was fascinated with that, you know. Uh, yeah, because it, it was the same thing in corporate America. You get on the elevator, yeah, and a black person get on the elevator, and you nod to him. You go, "All right, what's going on? Good morning." You yep. know what I'm saying? How you doing? Yep. You know what I mean? Good yep. afternoon. Yeah, you know, how's your day going? You know, stuff like yep. that. Mm -hmm. And um, they would get off, and then like they're like, "Do you know her?" I like, "No," nah. and they go. <laughs> Why do you speak to her? I'm like, cause she's black. And then and they'll go, well, you want to speak to the white people when they come in? I'm like, that's y'all job. Y'all speak to them. I ain't yeah, speaking to them. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's like, different, dog. It's different, bro. It's different. I know. I know. And it's crazy. It's crazy because um, the, the, here's the culture difference, right? So there's a situation there where black people and black people know it. White people and white people understand it. But then here's the, here's the switch. Here's the difference. There's a situation we get in the elevator. Black people get on. I speak to the black people. White people get on. They stand around wondering why only black people speak to each other, right? Then you get some Indian guys that get on with a woman, mm -hmm. Indian woman. The guys get on first. The woman gets off last, mm -hmm. right? The doors open up. The guys jump off first. Yeah. They almost push her out the way. They get off first. All the other guys in there let all the women off first. Yeah. And then the guys get off last. Yeah. And we all look at each other like, what the fuck was that? Culture. Culture. It's a culture difference. Culture. They they their women are behind them. They 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 don't they don't they don't they don't show chivalry or anything like that. It's them yeah. first and then a woman. But then like right. I always thought about that. And I used to always be like, it's rude. No, it's not. It's their culture, number one. That's just how they brought up, and that's how they understand life. But number mm -hmm. two, I always thought, we really should be getting off the elevator first. Like, yeah. we really yeah. should be getting off the elevator first. The thing about it is, is what if it's danger outside that elevator door? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we always let the ladies go out that elevator door. I can see getting yeah. on the elevator, mm -hmm. but letting her out the elevator door, I'm going to see something happen and something just maul yeah. her, and I'll be, like, pressing the clothes button, like, that's fucked yeah. up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, I you're right. It's culture is beating to our head. Cause I tell you, I tell you a situation where I constantly gotta check myself. Cause like, if we if me and my wife together, and we're about to go through an interest, I will always not necessarily uh, I run out here on some going to the prom shit, holding the door for, her, but I will right. let her go first. I let her into first. Like it's on some. I don't know if that shivers of this just in me. My wife enters first. But I do that so much the way I forget sometimes. Like, like if we come at home at night and stuff like that, I shouldn't be letting her go in there first. Right. I shouldn't be letting her go in there first. I need right. to be entering first. And I have to catch myself. I have to catch right. myself doing that because it's culture. It's just built into us. You know, let the woman go first. That's, 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 that's manner. You got manners. Let one woman go first. No one go first. But, you know, you're right. It's just... Uh, that's sometimes that's the thing. It's like sometimes like you can have conversations like that with with your with your wife or your significant other. When you have a conversation, you go, you know, babe, let me tell you something. Check me on that. 
Like, yeah. remind me of that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so not thinking about that when we come home. You shouldn't be going yeah. through that door first. So yeah. you got to help me remember to do that and yeah. check me when that don't happen because you be so fast to do it, God forbid somebody in that house. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And then sometimes, yeah. like, they sometimes they appreciate it, the fact that you checking for it, but you be like, I need you to check me on that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But then some yeah. people be like, well, you just automatically know. I be like, all right. I mean, we, we, yeah. we can do that. <laughs> like, that's, that's the wrong one to be around. You understand know what I'm yeah, saying? Man. Yeah, man. But it, it's, some stuff is just culture. It's just culture because I know that, uh, like, uh, I have a I have a real, like, affection. I wouldn't even say it's respect. I have an affection for our elders. I do, yeah. man. Like, yeah. old people. I, You know, it, People, somebody told me one time, it's like, uh, you know, who do you, who do you like more? It, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it was like, you know, kids or elderly people. Man, I'm like, fuck kids. They're going to have their time. They're going to have their time. I'm going to hold up for these elders. I'm going to hold up for my elders. I, it's right. just something in me. No one right. told me. It's just, it just something in me. When I see a, a elderly person, like, unless they're a bitch or an asshole, then I have, I'll let go out the window. But. If right. I see an elderly person, dude, I'm going to hold up for him. Like, and, and it doesn't even have to be black or white. It doesn't matter. An old person has a special place. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. just don't, I try yeah. to, you know, let them go first or something, you know, be mannerable. I just, you know, manage around old people. It's just something. Yeah, people. right, right. It, it's, it's funny, man. I get a lot of knowledge. You know, my mom stays in the elderly community. Um, mm -hmm. It's like 55 and up, her apartment complex. And um, yeah. I go over there every day, you know what I'm saying, to check on my mom because I'm kind of mm -hmm. like her caretaker right now since this pandemic yeah. started. And, uh, you know, I'm respectful for every single person that come in there. You know, they yeah. always be like, man, he come check on his mom every single day. And I'm yeah. sitting there and I'm like looking at them like, where your kids at? Like, why are they not checking on you every day? You understand what I'm saying? Oh, bro, bro, don't get me talking about that, man. People yeah. drop people off at the nurse hall, old command, and they forget about it. It's right. the saddest shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I'm dreading the day. I'm dreading the day that I gotta put take my mom somewhere, man. Like I'm dreading that because I know it's gonna put her into a state of depression. And yeah. I'm trying my best to hold on and, and, and take care of her as long as I can. She can do things on her own. You know, but I know yeah. eventually, you know, that kind of stuff just, you know, it whittles down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I when I see old people, man, I see myself. And I think I think, how would I want people to treat me? When I get that age, I always think about that, man. Cause I, yeah. I got, I got aunts back at the crib, and you know, all my aunts are old, man. Like they're really old, dude. They got, they got their children who don't take them nowhere or do nothing with them. When I come home, I gather them up. Yeah, I pour, pour I mean, hey, boy, ain't nothing. Trust me, I ain't nothing fun about having four old women in your trunk. It, it, it is the most, sometimes it's the most trying, but it's comical type of thing, taking them around to, to see different family members and stuff. But I feel like it's my duty. Nobody else does it. I, right. You know, they just, a lot of them just sit at home. Yeah. They sit at home. They don't never go nowhere. Somebody bring them something every now and then, but they never go nowhere. Dude, and I pile them in the truck and you got family members in Louisiana across the bridge and stuff, and I take them and, you know, and, and I had a cousin tell me one time, man, I don't know how you do that. I'm yeah. like, man, I know they be getting on your nerve. I'm like, bro, it ain't even about that. Right. It's about they need to go. They're humans, man. They need to do something. They need to get out. You know what I'm right. saying? Don't nobody do it, but. Yeah, that's, that's, that's admirable, man, because, like, 
I got a different I got a different type of relationship with every single one of my mom's sisters. Mm. You know what I mean? My aunts, my aunts are hilarious in their own way. You understand know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. like we all have conversations. I do a Zoom call every every Sunday for my family. And I mm. set it up and then we all get on there. But most of the time it's my aunts that come on. Like my my, yeah. my other cousins and stuff, they all busy, they all got stuff to do. Every yeah. now and again they pop in. But sometimes it's just me and my aunts on there. And yeah. they talking about what they cook. They want to know what I cook. And they talking about stuff they doing and How's yeah. your mom? How's my sister doing? I'm like, she yeah. good, you know. And my mm -hmm. mom got on there one time, but it was too many screens, too many people. She got overwhelmed. Yeah. My mom got confused. And I was like, yeah. all right, mom. I said, we won't do that no more. Yeah. And like I said, I'll have them call you individually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. mom was on there like asking who that was. I'm like, mom, it's, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. man. It's, it's crazy, man. But we, we, we all deal with that. So let me ask you this, man. Um, we, we starting to ease back into this thing, man, this mm -hmm. comedy thing. Um, mm -hmm. this is the longest stretch of time we all been off stage. Yeah. Um, how you feeling about getting back on stage? I'm anxious, but I have anxiety. Yeah. I mean, just being completely honest, I'm anxious, but I have anxiety, man, about it. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know, you know, why, where the anxiety uh, and close and close we get because it's like now we're easing back into it. Like you said, it's like I have a little bit of anxiety. Now, not anxiety about doing bad on stage, just anxiety about the whole process. Right. And the risk and, you know, just how, because we can't move the same way. Nope. No more. And I fear that if you're going to do stand-up comedy, you really ain't got no choice but to move the same way. Because if you look at who is out there doing it, it's business as usual. I, I have anxiety about using the same mic everybody else uses. But ain't nobody, ain't nobody changed no freaking mic. People are still out selling merchandise and hugging people and kissing babies after the show. So it, it, I'm anxious to get back on stage and get to back to what I love, uh, but I have some anxiety. Yeah, I, I think I am taking my own microphone. I mean, my mm -hmm. first my first gig, I think, is around the nineteenth or twentieth. Uh huh. Um, but I am going to take my microphone. And yeah. But how do you know what kind of end they got? How do you know if it's a female? What size? I mean, it, it's uh, what if they got a cordless situation? Like it's um. Yeah. You know, I, think, I mean, I think that's I think that's one of the things that we're gonna have to talk about. You know, before yeah. we get there, like a writer, like when we write, we have our writers, and we say, hey, you know, I'm gonna need this, I'm gonna need that. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with. You know, if I'm headlining, I got certain things I'm going to ask for. And it's yeah. like, you know, if I'm featuring, maybe I won't be able to have that latitude. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then yeah. I also got the I also got the, the opportunity to tell them no. I don't want to do yeah. that gig. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have a problem with telling people no. You know, my yeah. whole thing is, is, you know, I might have an opportunity to build build my brand another way. And then So your first gig is the 19th of this month? Uh-huh. 1920, weekend of 1920, if I'll be in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Well, I'm supposed to be in Houston and Dallas next week, but that, well, no, 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 I'm supposed to be in uh, Hinesville, Georgia next week, and then Houston and Dallas after that, but that, I think that got canceled. So, I, um, you know, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm anxious. Yeah. But I got some anxiety. Right. And then, like, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. What I've learned is I think what I'm going to start doing, I will be videotaping every single set I do. Mm. And I will dedicate five, six minutes of that into crowd work. Yeah. And I yeah. will be posting that. Yeah. On a regular basis. 
Mm-hmm. And that that there in itself lets me know because people love content, and I don't care yeah. how corny it is, I don't care how lame you think it is. People laugh at some of the stuff that you think is unbelievably horrible. Yeah, and like I didn't even like that joke, and people are like, man, that was hilarious. Like, all right, whatever. It's uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say, have you uh, over this three months? Have you uh, kind of? work your way through this social media thing, kind of seeing what works, what don't work. Um, I, I know I found that, um, and I, I have a danger, I have a, I have a fear that uh, that I don't want to get pigeonholed into one type of thing. Cause I, I feel, you know, you, I mean, I do the, I do the, 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 the tranquil tea, I do the, the hip hop thespian, I do the, the side by side. I have, I just feel like I'm a, I'm a multi-layered guy, but it's like more and more, people are fucking with me when I go off on the political shit and I just don't want to get stuck in that rut man because what happens is I don't know if you see the video I put up about um the two comedians I did okay uh I'm not gonna call their name but you know yeah I'm talking right you know both yep. of them right yep and both of them was in a situation to where you have this fan base mm-hmm. and they have certain expectations of you and you say something to deviate from that, and they try to destroy me. Yep. I don't ever want to be beholden to people like that. I want to always just do my fucking thing. Whatever the fuck I feel like saying, I'm going to say it. Whatever I want to post, I'm going to post it. And um, I, have, I have found that during this time. Like, I know what my strength is as far as not my strength in town, but what people like to see more. And I, I, I don't know. I I'm going to tell you this, man. You know, you can't stop people from following you for what they like, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think the last time I looked at your profile, I think I saw like 85,000 followers. No, no, no. It's 65, 65. Was 65? I thought. Whoa, it was wait, 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 wait. On, a, on, a, on, a, on Facebook, on Facebook fan page, I got like 80 something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that what no. I'm saying, and you talk 65 for Instagram. That's yeah. still, that's, I don't give a damn. That's still, that's dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have that many followers, you got people that rock with you regardless. Yeah. These are people that's rocking with you regardless because you are everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. You can't be, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. with the people that follow you, they rocking with you regardless. So even if you say something that's off the cup, like say something that, that they don't agree with, mm-hmm. and they say, I ain't following you no more. Well, so what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so I mean, it's, it's so what you you not following me because of one thing that I said. So you you mad because I got a different opinion over one thing. You weren't really a fan, no way. What if if one thing you want? I need you going it now. I, I gotta say this. I do say shit to spin people up. I want I want to thin the herd. Right. I want the people who expose kind of, kind of people to not get right. to not follow me. Expose the people that you want to expose. Like, all right, you ain't you ain't rock with me. It was a goodbye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I mean, the, the Navy stories are funny. Like the 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 hip hop hip hop thespians. That that lane that lane is not for everybody. That lane, like if you don't listen to hip hop, you ain't gonna even get the whole hip hop thespian yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like you know, just like keep putting that content out. And I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I, it's a lot of work. People don't understand how much work that is, man. And did you see the last uh, Navy story I put up, number seventeen? I didn't put. I didn't see seventeen yet. I had to yank that bitch down within fifteen minutes. Really? Yep. It got that bad. 
bro, I had military buddies contact me and take me, take it down, take it down, take it down. Like they was like flipping the fuck out, dog. Like take right. it down. And then upon further review, it was a bit much. <laughs> it was a bit much. It was a bit much. I seen what they were saying. Now the dude I was talking about, he loved it. He didn't care. Right. But I was like, mm, this is a bit much. It the Navy, the military in general can be a bit grimy. Right. And if you ain't wasn't in it, it's like you 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 will be like, what the fuck? And this is one of them stories. So I, I'm gonna tell you this. This is this is the idea that I feel like um has, has been put in my head uh from that you should write a book. And the reason yeah. why I say you should write a book is because the book there's no taking it down. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you, you either you want the stories or you don't. And yeah. when you write the book, you go, here it is. Here's yeah. the stories. Here it is. Go ahead. And they go, is this true or is it not true? And you go, yeah. here's the well, book. You understand what I'm saying? Story, the story and the story, I'm the hero. Yeah, I yeah. saved the day. Right. But I had a partner who didn't give a damn. Right. And what he did could be considered a bit rapey. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it could. It could. Uh, we, was we was at Hong Kong. Right. And um, uh, and it's like, I was the hero of the storm. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, you know, some of the stuff that happens in the military probably should be taken to the grave. It should right. be put up there. Right, right, people right. Don't, people don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, but, I mean, it is what it is. But I definitely think I need to put in an audio book or something like that. Yeah. You know, the stories and stuff, so. Absolutely, uh, man. Absolutely. I yeah. think I think it's you know, time and space, man. Like I said, there's a there's an audience for everything. You just never know. I mean, if you yeah. said Navy Stories, the book coming out mm -hmm. by Marvin Hunter, dude, I mean people people are like, man, I gotta go get that book. I mean, yeah. I, I remember I remember being in uh college and I remember reading the Seinfeld book. Mm. And I was like, man, these are funny ass stories. Yeah. And I, I'm not thinking you know, at that time, I wasn't what, what, was the name of the book? what was the name of the book? I'm trying to remember what it was called. I remember working a temporary job over the summer, and it was a lot of full time, like time we had to spend it. And the guy that was working next to me was like, um, here's the book. And I was like, mm -hmm. all right, let me read it. And I was reading it through like three days. I was reading through this book. And I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I'm pretty sure I can find it. I mean, it, it was out in the 90s. So mm -hmm. if I look at the date or whatever, it, it just came out. So this was like, 93, 92, 93, something like that. Something like did that. you always know you wanted to be a comic? Nope. Mm. Nope, I did not know I wanted to be a comedian, man. I admired com com comedians. I admire Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor, and I used to love watching mm. them and things like that. Um, I used to go to comedy shows on dates. That was like one of my go-to first dates. Mm. Meet, a, meet, a, meet a female, which is like, let's go do something. The movies and dinner was so common. Yeah. I wanted to be memorable. So I'd be like, all right, let's go get something to eat. They're like, what are we doing after this? I'm like, I ain't going to tell you. It's a surprise. Yeah. Pull up to the South Street, go to the Laugh House. Yeah. Get two tickets, get a good seat, get some yeah. drinks. That, that girl sit back and laugh the whole night. And we'd be sitting there having a good time. And, and it was a memorable evening. But it was like one of those things where people would be like, yo, live comedy is dope. The Laugh House always been on South Street? Uh-huh. You know, I don't, I, well, I wasn't checking for that either when I was there. We was probably too drunk the whole time, but I don't remember, I know it was there. I was there at 90, in 1990. 
Yeah. And um, uh, we used to be on South Street like every night. You know what I'm saying? Just wilding. But maybe because we were just drunk and wilding. I just never thought about going to a comedy club or. The crazy thing like is, that. you said 1990, so we had to cross paths if you was on South Street. Like we probably walked past each other, bro. Because I was in high school. I was yeah. in high school, and yeah. I remember I remember being on South Street. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna give you a specific date and time. We mm-hmm. was on South Street. Uh, the youngsters was big back then. Like the youngsters, I remember the youngsters was from Philly, and they'd yeah. be on South Street every weekend. We used to go out there. Nobody by nature mm-hmm. would be out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I went when I went to high school. Uh, Juan Ye Morris from Boys and Men was in my senior class. Like he was at my high school, oh, so they wow. would be on South Street. We would be, yeah. Like so, it was all like that whole time frame, ninety ninety one. You know what I'm saying? We yeah. were, I was yeah. on South Street every weekend, man. Every weekend we go down there. Go Do you remember a, a bar called Make Makos? Yeah. Okay, so you know you go in Makos and they have these memorabilia mugs and stuff like that, dude. I know. I, I think I told you this story before. Like I was nineteen. Everybody was. I think was older than me. Uh-huh. And man, the dudes just going there. Man, they used to steal shit. <laughs> and then we used to. Man, it's like dude to go behind the thing. If one nobody there, dude to go behind the thing, snatch up a whole bunch of shit. We are dark. But I'm the young. And I didn't do it, but I'm with them, so I gotta run too. Man, right. she used to aggravate me, bro. Yeah. Because I was with a dude from Detroit. Miami and Washington DC and they all was like late 20s early 30s and I'm like 19. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could write a book about Philly. Yeah, Philly Philly and and see a lot of people don't understand how much fun South Street was. Like like if you didn't have no money, you could say have a good time out on South Street. And that's yeah. what we were doing as high school students. All we had to do was have enough money to get something to eat and we yeah. had to have the money to get across the bridge. Yeah. So it was like, you know, we get out there, we park Go out there, sit back, people watch, talk mm-hmm. shit, yeah. and, and and you might meet a young lady or two that night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm saying? Go back and be like, yo, I got a date next week, man. Met that chick on South Street. We're going to take her out next week. You know, and that was like what we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it was so dope. On summer nights, man. And tell me, i tell you this. That's how I'm so good at parallel parking. Mm. Cause when you when you trying to find a parking space, you trying to get to South Street. Now you couldn't park on South Street, and sometimes if you got there early enough, you could get a parking spot on South Street. Yeah. But if you was on them side roads and you trying to get to South Street, and all that traffic behind you, you only had one chance to get in that spot. Yeah. They weren't gonna wait for you to keep pulling out and trying to get that. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Man, get your dumb ass out there. <laughs> you had one no. chance. No. <laughs> I learned so much being in Philly, like just being exposed to different people. That was the first time I think I truly deal with rude motherfuckers. Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. Dude, they didn't give a fuck. Nah, nah, Not bro. Nothing, like dude. Oh my Thick God, skin, man. man. Thick skin. That's what we grew up in. Thick skin. Like you can't be super sensitive. Like a a, a car horn don't bother me. Yeah, yeah. To me, to me, somebody blowing their horn ain't them yelling at you. It's cars talking to each other like, hey, man, come on, bro. You you doing something fucked up right now. You messing everything up. <laughs> Just pay attention, bro. You know what I'm saying? And and when I hear a car horn, my first reaction of car horn is my bad. It, it's never who the fuck you beeping at. My, yeah, my yeah, first yeah, reaction yeah, every yeah. time is my bad. Yeah. If it's somebody that's being an asshole, I can recognize it. Because then yeah. it's like, no, you being an asshole when you don't see what's in front of us. 
Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That that's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, my first reaction when I hear a car horn, even if I'm walk across the street and I hear somebody go, baby, I'll be like, oh my bad, my bad. Like, <laughs> that's like my Dude, you got you gotta understand, like Philly. I even though I'm from Vicksburg, Mississippi, I was a huge hip hop head my whole life. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, dude, and I and I and I exaggerate when public enemy popped off. I was one or two dudes in the high school who was listening to him. Like, nobody was fucking with Public Enemy. I'm from Big Brother. Dude, Public Enemy came and opened up a run DMC. They got booed. What? They got booed at the Coliseum. But I, for whatever reason, embraced it. So wow. did, you, did you drop me in Philly in 1990? Poor Righteous Teachers, all this Af Africa, but Dyer, dude, I was in. X Clan. X Clan. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Dude, I was in hip hop habit. Yeah. Just yeah. Because it was almost like being in, I know it's gonna sound really corny from but you gotta from a small town. It was like being in a music video. Listen. It was like if you go out in the street, just seeing everything, the Jeeps, the Jeeps with the with the bump, everybody I was like, oh, this, this is great. Yeah, see, and that, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm not from Miss Vicksburg, Mississippi, but this is just me growing up. I see this yeah. every day. This is my yeah. life. So if I had went somewhere and didn't see that, I'd be like, man, what's wrong with y'all? So yeah. I'll give you an example. So, you know, and you was living in Philly, so you was getting stuff that the mainstream wasn't getting. You was getting a cool C and Steady B and, and, yeah. and listening to the Tough Crew. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and people were like, man, who is that? You know what I mean? And yeah. stuff like that. And people wasn't really peeping it. But let yeah. me let me ask you this, and this is probably going to switch the direction. And I know this episode is probably going to go past an hour because mm -hmm. I'm a, I want to get into this with you, uh -huh. uh, and I want to have this debate with somebody. But you in the same wheelhouse I'm in. Uh -huh. I am a huge hip hop fan. Mm -hmm. My constant debate is '88 versus '87-'88 versus '93-'94. That's my constant debate. Which is better? Which is better. And I get people, and I understand the energy and where it's coming from. But me, I am a 88 dude. I feel like 1988 defined hip-hop. I don't care what 93 did. I understand the importance of 93. 93, 94, uh, the, the introduction of the, the Wu-Tang Clan and Nas and, and all of those good things that happened in that era. You understand what I'm saying? Biggie, all that stuff was in 93, all of that, all that good stuff. But 88, I'm telling you right now, it, defi it defined hip-hop. And it Dude, was no, no time within that time frame. We've had a few golden years like yeah, uh, yeah. in hip-hop. Now, I got to say, and I'm saying this for a specific reason. Dude, the chronic changed my life. Like, yeah, yeah. The chronic, the chronic is like the Bible. Like, it, 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 the chronic to me is everything. It, yeah. it embodied everything for me. It, yeah. It's like my head exploded first time I heard the chronic. I know where I was at. Right. I know who I was with. Right. I know what we was doing. I know what we was wearing. I know everything about that day when I first heard the chronic. That era to me was it though. That, right. that to me was it. So 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 here's so that so that's me. So that there it is. So yeah. you so so you go to the chronic. Chronic came out in nineteen 
92. So yeah, so 90, yeah, 93, 93, yeah. 94. Like, so that, that time frame. And yeah. for me, for me, uh, 88 is mine. And I was there for the chronic and I get everything because yeah. when yeah. chronic came out, when Nas came out for the first mm -hmm. time and Wu-Tang, when I heard Wu-Tang Clan for the first time, that was a switch for me too. Cause yeah. it, it was mind blowing yeah. to me. I was like, yeah. what is this? Like, I don't get the concept. Like what, why yeah. was this happening? Yeah. But when I, when I go to 1988 and I think about uh, a big daddy Kane album coming out, I understand mm -hmm. public Enemy's second album mm -hmm. coming out. I understand a Stessa Sonic album out mm -hmm. and a slick Rick album that came out and the audio two that came out. MC light mm -hmm. came out and heavy D came out and all EPMD came yeah. out or paid yeah. in full came mm -hmm. out and all of these albums i'm bad from ll mm -hmm. cool j which is one of the most influential albums to me that album mm -hmm. that album itself to me is is way more important than mm -hmm. than ready to die mm -hmm. ll cool j's i'm bad to me when i listen to that album from beginning to end mm -hmm. encompasses encompasses a situation in hip-hop that just basically combines the Run DMC, Beastie Boy, and all that other stuff yeah. into the beginning of everything else that happened. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I, 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 I definitely, I, you know I was I was there for all of that, and I've right. been a hip-hop head since 1979. The first right. time, I'm a shorty in pajamas in the kitchen, and my sister, my older sister, my cousins are in the kitchen, they dancing, and this shit come on, and hip-hop, the hippity, the hippity, and I'm a child. So yes. I immediately like latched on to it, like, what is that? Yeah. What is that? So I've been down with hip hop since 79. But bro, you got like my dad was with the civil rights. And so I've been raised on that my whole life, like, you know, black, black, black folks, black empowerment, da, 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 da. But even my dad's what he would pass on to me was limited. Mm -hmm. Dude, I wanna say, and I can't, I can't say for sure, but I want to say it was 91, 92. You had X-Clan drop. Yep. Paris. Yep. From base. You had, you had a death certificate, Ice Cube. Ice had, Cube, yep. You, you had Brand Nubian drop. Yep. And you had, a, you had a, a, one of Public Enemy uh, shits drop. You had a new Poor, poor Righteous Teachers drop. And dude, I'm listening to all of that at yes. the same time. At the same time, dude, yeah. I'm on some fucking, fucking, fucking white folks shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, dude, that fed me. It fed right. me. And right. I just, that era for me, like when people say, well, music, you know, it can't teach a youth. That's a lie, man. Because yeah. I didn't know nothing about a Sada Shakur. I didn't know nothing about, you know what I'm saying, a, a move that happened in Philly when they killed all them people. Or, right. Uh, Right there on, on Osage Avenue, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, right. I learned that through hip hop, and it made me go research. It right. made me hungry for knowledge, man. Right. Dude, X Clan, dude. When I tell you, I soaked up all that shit. Everything, everything. Tell um, me your anthem. Tell me one of your anthems. What in Black and Proud from Intelligent Hoodlum? Hmm. You remember that Joker? You remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember yeah. that because uh, it was that was during the time when they still had dancers. 
That yeah. was during a time when dancing was big within within yeah. the hip hop community. Yeah. You start thinking about, you know, but but like I said, like like here's the thing. This is this is this is an idea I have. And I would mm. love for somebody to do a versus. And if somebody don't do it, I feel like I would do it. Uh, 1988 versus 1993. And it would mean that 87, 88, 89 would be a collective unit. You can use because yeah. if they play if it came out in 87, they mean they played it in 88. If mm. it came out in 89, that means it might have started playing in 1988. Yeah. You use yeah. 92, 93, 94. And you put those two together and mm -hmm. you go, let's battle it out. Let's pick 20 to 30 songs and let's go back and forth. And we're going to mm. finally answer the question, which era was the better golden era for hip hop? You understand what I'm saying? I, 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 think, <laughs> I think in total, yeah, the 90s, man. I, and I disagree. I think it was. I think it was the eighty. I think it was the eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Look at, I think, look I at how much music, pure like pure talent that came right. out during the nineties. Like, no, and I think, and I think about that, and I think, mm -hmm. and I look back at the albums, not mm -hmm. not the songs. I look at the albums that came out in nineteen eighty-eight, and it yeah. blows my mind how I, at that age, I would have been in nineteen eighty-eight. I would have been fifteen. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry. 1988, I would have been 12. Mm -hmm. It amazes I mean, me. It, it amazes me, uh, 12, 13. It amazes me how I was able to purchase all them albums. Yeah. You know there's another year that was phenomenal. And I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about the, the three albums that came to my mind that was released that year. 1998. Equimini. Yeah. Equimini, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 DMX first album. Yeah. And uh, Jay-Z's A Hard Knock Life all came out in 1998. Dude. That was a transitional year for me because I quit I quit my corporate job and moved from New Jersey back to Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm. And I was like, I'm, I'm going back. I'm, and, and that was the transition for me. Mm -hmm. Cause I was, I mean, that was that was me making what a made decision. You, what made you move? Cause you went to school down there, right? I went to school. They, the company I was working for, moved me back up up top. Okay. okay. And I said, I don't want to be here. Yeah. My life was not going in the direction I wanted to be, and it was a decision mm -hmm. I made. And my life is the way it is right now because of that decision. If I hadn't did that, I wouldn't have twins right now. Yeah. If I had yeah. to make that decision, I probably wouldn't be doing comedy right now. Yeah, yeah. You funny I mean? how so all of that stuff was uh, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny how those little decisions in your life was setting your shit on a whole different trajectory and shit, and then you look back at it because because it might be a situation where I almost didn't do that. Right, almost you did. Like you'd be like, wow. Yep. Like I, I remember during that time when I was working that job, I remember bumping the Lost Boys. Forever, like that was the that was the album I was listening to. Like I, everything was lost. The Lost Boys was what I listened. To. I was like, I'm listening to Lost Boys. You know what I mean? Let I remember the album. Mm -hmm. What hip hop album that everybody likes? You know, the heads love, but you just would never felt. You can piss people off for this one. Oh, let me think. Oh, yeah, a, I love a, it. Group, I love a group or a hip-hop album that I just wasn't feeling. Um, 
I'm trying to think about this one, man. It's funny because I mean, I'm pretty sure people could be like, "Yeah, man, you don't rock with them." I was never a too short fan, ever, ever, and I and I respect the Bay. I I know what he meant for the culture. I know what he means for them. I don't like none he does. Not one thing. I can listen to E. I can listen to E. Forty before I listen to Too Short. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just okay. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? I um. I think for me, and I say this shit, and hip hop heads like they get hot when I say this shit. Dude, I was never a fan of Gangsta. Oh, yo, that hurt me. <laughs> that I hurt. Just never... And I and I get, I know why. I, I'm gonna tell you why I know why. Um, Guru's style is unorthodox. Yeah, he yeah. talks through the verses more that he tries to stay on beat because he's more impressed with the, with the verbiage and what he's saying versus staying on path. Like he'll squeeze three more words in something that he could have just said uh, abbreviation of, of what he was trying to get get out. And I felt like this, I felt like the talent that Primo had, Along with Guru. I'm a fan of Primo. I'm oh, a yeah. fan of Primo, though. But pre- you almost felt like Primo needed to be with somebody else. Like, you almost felt like Primo should have been with Rakim. And, and <laughs> if, 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 if Primo had been with Rakim. Oh, my God. And people, people that know hip-hop always understand that Rakim yeah. is one of the greatest, the God MC. Like, he's always been one of the greatest. But he don't never get the 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 accolades that he deserves like he no, gets list he gets left off just like KRS get left off yeah and it's like you know if Primo had been around and Primo had been with if Primo had been with Rakim or Primo had been with with uh with Ice Cube or Primo had been with Nas the whole time mm-hmm. we'd be having a different conversation Jay Z might not even blown up the way he blew up if Primo had been with Nas the whole time. Because Nas beat selection is hard. It is. But I'm a Nas fan. I'm a Nas, I've been a Nas dude since I he came too, out. Mm-hmm. But dude, he aggravates the shit out of me with his beat selection, man. Yeah, it, yeah. It's like, what are you doing? This is horrible. This sounds yeah. horrible. Right. Yo, but, what's on go with this? But uh, I'm going to tell you what's even better. When someone, when DJs take Nas lyrics and they put them to other beats, yeah. And you go, wow, this is a way better song. I got plenty of those mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? Who is one of the best at picking beats? Cause you cause you got some hip hop, you got some artists out there. And I'm not I'm not I'm not taking nothing from any talent. They, they they're phenomenal rapper, but dude, if you really sit and break it down, the dude songs are phenomenal. Like like dude just you can just put the motherfucker album on and let it ride. I'm going to tell you, now here's the difference. There's two different things. There's a difference between picking a beat and somebody riding on a beat. Yeah. Because some people have the lyrical ability to ride on a beat better than anybody else. Yeah. Ludacris is one of them. Yeah. yeah. Ludacris is one of them. Another person that knows how to ride on a beat is Jay-Z. Jay-Z knows how to ride on a beat. Um, and he can switch his styles up. Mm. Um, more than most. This is this is how someone explained to me one time, and I and I, I it blew my mind. 
when it just was when the whole uh, Biggie and Tupac thing was like heavy. It was like Biggie is almost a, a, a he's dancing with the beat. It's like a, it's like right. a dance. It's a it's they're they're both dancing and they complement each other. Tupac voice is another instrument in the song. Like he just you know what I'm saying? His voice is almost another instrument in the song, and that's. That's how I see like Ludacris. Like Ludacris' voice is so unique. Like it's almost like his voice is a is is another instrument. Right. Ludacris almost flow and is is just hard. It's just hard hard to, to 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 say, man. But yeah. But uh, I mean, that's a that's a that's a good question. Um, when you say just somebody that's that's good at picking beats, I mean, yeah. I like I like Ti beat selection. Like, um, I mean, I feel like I can I could put on a Ti, but Ti is in a specific box. Like everything mm -hmm. Ti do is is workout related. Like that's a that's a up tempo, you know, yeah. like like trap music. Like you know, he mm -hmm. was the inventor of it and things like that. You know, um, but but when I when I look at like a whole catalog of of music, mm -hmm. um, Jaden has some great beats, man. Jada, J J J Z had some yeah, great yeah, beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then yeah. like, I mean, when that whole Dipset thing was going on, um, mm -hmm. when they came out, and I wasn't yeah. a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of Cameron. Yeah, not. Yeah, I'm not but, a huge fan. But but Dipset as a group, I thought I thought that era. Great I think beat. I think they grabbed that era, and I think they had a stranglehold on that era. You know what I mean? I'm gonna tell you who I think that is. One of the greatest beat pickers of all time. I really do feel this way. Most people are like, dude, how can you fucking say that? But I'm just, I'm like, you could almost find any rapper who could rap good and take the same beats from this dude's album and put another rapper on it. And I'm not saying that rapper would be just as good, but the beat selection is so fucking, and that's Rick Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, Rick Ross beats is amazing. Almost every song yeah. is it's like just think of yeah. this is like nice and it complements his voice and you know what I'm saying it it it, it his beats are phenomenal. His verse on Accidental Murderers, yeah, on the Life Is Good album, bro. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had a newfound respect for him because yeah. he went he went bar for bar with Nas yeah, on that, yeah, and I was did. like, yo, this was a dope song. A lot of people don't even know that song, like they don't even don't get that song. Thing. But when he yeah. got on that bad boy, I said, yo. I don't care what nobody's. I don't care about his background. This yeah. dude get rap. You know what I'm saying? This dude get rap straight up. You know, this dude brings brings the heat. Um, yeah. And I think we've had this discussion before. We talk about it all the time. Um, but in your opinion, um, underrated. Luda. Luda. That's Luda your most underrated. underrated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luda underrated. And, my, and mine is mine is Black Thought. Oh, mine is, Black Thought is a god. Yeah. Black <laughs> yeah. Thought is a god. It's mine is Black Thought. Like, like, honestly, like, people can argue the point, and, and you would be hard arguing me off of this ledge. Is he might be the greatest? He could be the greatest of all time, and then like nobody could actually debate you on it because you can say body of work. Well, I mean, thing about it is you can say body of work, but I can tell you that put an MC up against him and tell me he don't stand by himself. Tell me that he don't go bar for bar, and tell me he doesn't have the the, the capacity. And the talent to be able to just go, all right, well, he's standing on his own. He he is fucking amazing, though. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I mean, good Lord, dude. Like, he does not get his just due. 
He don't. He, he don't. don't. And, and I, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be when his time is up when he finally get his flowers, man. Because it's like when he does the J. Period mixtape. And he brings the artists, and I'm so mad this pandemic happened because in May, he was supposed to have Ghostface and Raekwon on. Oh. A J. Period mixtape at the Roots Picnic. Wow. So when he does the J. Period mixtape, he brings artists on the stage. They do their hits. And after they do their hits, or while they're in the middle of doing their hits, he's allowed to do a verse on that song. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that the verse that he does... Should have been on the song, or makes the other makes, makes the other people on their verse song don't sound that great after he do it. Wow! When he redid when he was on stage with Fat Joe and they did Twins, the deep cover. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see song, that. and he did his version of Big Pun's verse. Mm-hmm. Fat Joe almost forgot it was his line next. Yeah, Fat Joe was standing there staring at him in in, in awe. When he did the line about dead in the middle of little, 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 did we know the riddle to middlemen who didn't do diddly? Yeah. Black Thought did his own version of that. Yeah. Dead in the middle of Philadelphia. I said, dude, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not now, rocking with that dude. That's a dude who I don't really can't rock with none of his stuff. That's Fat Joe. I ain't never really been no fan of Fat Joe, man. Yeah. Like, and and, I, and see, for the Terror Squad thing, like for me, I've always felt like, that was like a Northeast thing. Like I'm, I'm yeah. from the Northeast. I rock with mm. cats from the Northeast. But mm. I'll tell you another, I think we talked about since we going into the, the, the digging in the crates and the Latino culture and things like that and their influence on hip hop, the B-Nuts album, to me, oh my God. I can listen to that from beginning that to album. end. And that I can listen to that album. from the beginning to end. And that is always going to be the B-Nuts album and the Tony Touch first mm. album. Tony Touch's first album and the beat. I know, I know, I bought it. I know, I bought it. I just I'm trying to remember what what songs on that Tony Touch album. Tony Touch had uh oh my goodness um I'm trying to remember um they had the one with Nice and Smooth uh he had Nice and Smooth on one of them he had uh I gotta I'm a, I'm gonna send you the link to that album. As a matter of fact, I'll show you the cover. When I show you the cover, you yeah. oh yeah, that was the one yeah. <laughs> Tony Touch album. Yeah, um who, yeah. Who is the most lyrical group? Lyrical group. Are we talking about two people? Or are we talking about more than one? Just Wu Tang Clan, man. You think Wu Tang is more lyrical than Slaughterhouse? That's a debate. <laughs> that's a debate because, like Slaughterhouse. But here's the thing: you can do Slaughterhouse, and I get it because you know, you know, you got the M, and you got all them casters in there. You got Royce the Five Nine. I mean, you got, you got, you got some casters dropping some lyrics, right? Uh. But when I when I pull up Ghostface, man, and, and and I look at the fact that this man got seventeen albums, like 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 like, oh, like do, you, <laughs> do you think Ghostface is the most lyrical of Wu Tang? I feel like I feel like <sighs> Well, here's the thing: are we talking? Are we talking lyrics? Because 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 lyrically, I mean. I put I put genius and I put that. See me, the you real lioness. Yeah, respect the deck, dog. Is because like, because it's almost like if you put it's like it's like it's like you putting a battle rapper yeah. versus a content carrier. 
and and and, and, and Ghost has the content, mm. but the 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 lyrics themselves, lyricism, Inspector mm. uh, Deck, bro. Inspector Deck is a- like when you when you listen to when you listen to when you listen to Jizz's, uh the Liquid Swords, right? Liquid Swords, yeah, you know, and, I had that. and yeah. you hear like labels and 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 basic instructions before leaving Earth. And yeah. and all the knowledge that was being put on within Liquid Swords, but then you go to Iron Man, and then you get Supreme Clientele, right? And that's like, oh my God, that's my top Ghostface album. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like now when I listen to Supreme Clientele, you're not giving me any, you ain't giving me any, any content where I'm like, woo, listen to that. Mm. But I also listen to Ghost when he said, "I gotta give people baby food. I can't, I can't give them, I can't give them full meals yet. Yeah. You know, I gotta bring them along. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Ghost yeah. is the, Ghost is entertainment for me. That's straight entertainment. I'm putting yeah. it on. It's mindless behavior. I'm listening. I'm like, go Ghost. But if I really want to get some knowledge, uh-huh. I throw on the genius. And I'm listening I, to, I'm listening to Inspector Deck verse too. You know what I'm saying? I, I love when I watched a documentary. And they all were saying that Inspector Deck made them go back and rewrite their stuff. Yeah! I, because to hear them give him props like that, because I always thought, I was like, I'm like, yes, that's what I've been telling people, man. To do, yeah. man, it's nice. We looking at it, we looking at it from the same thing because it's almost like you listen to it and you go, am I hearing the same thing everybody else is hearing? You know what I mean? Like, am I, am I, am I not getting like, you know? And it's like, you know, you look at albums. Like, people didn't give Old Dirty, they didn't get Returning to Thirty Six Chambers the props that it deserved when that album came out. Yeah, yeah. Because his style was so different. You know what I'm saying? And then people was like, you know, I'm like looking at the album, I'm like, yo, this dude was going in. It's it's like if you go back and listen to the Guillotine on uh, Raekwon's shift, uh, uh, only built for Cuban links, and you got Spectre Deck lead out. But Ghost follow him with some fire. Yes. Like, it is like that's like that song there is everything because they expected that lights that shit up. Yes. And then the next verse is like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> about ingestion with the strength of 80 midgets. <laughs> I'm sitting there like the fuck he say? <laughs> I'm like, Dude, what? Gorillas injected with the strength of 80 midgets? Yes, yes. Where you <laughs> yeah. get that, bro? <laughs> Listen, man, and I don't know what their writing process is, right? But I'm pretty sure, you know, if you if you if you go in there and they go, uh, you know, we're doing this this beat, uh, Triumph, uh, Deck dropped his verse. Um, all right, let, let me hear it. <laughs> Man, hold on, I, I'll be back, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like when, 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 and I, and listen, when Triumph comes on, I don't care what's going on. That first verse is so ridiculous. Like, yeah. here's the thing. So it's 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 all of all I'm on the track. The only person that didn't drop a verse, and I think they should, always should have went back and let Old Dirty do a verse on there. Um, mm-hmm. and they go through. If you had to rank those verses on triumph right? on triumph we talking about only triumph i i say deck is first and he went first and it was great yeah. he could have went last here's the other thing if we had to rank them and rearrange the song 
and, and do from worst well, to last. The first two verses and the last two verses could have been the whole song. Everybody in between could have stayed off of Thank you. I think you like yes, we the same. So so and here's the thing. Minus minus though, I did like the Rizzo's verse. I did. I did like the Rizzo's verse. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was good. But right. The first two verses. Uh, you yes. Had Deck and then Method and then uh, uh, Rick Wan and, right. and, and, go, and Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because 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 Ghost because Ghost Joint. Yo, when Ghost Joint come through, <laughs> I laugh. I always laugh when Ghost come in on that verse because. He's coming in off of Master Killer, and Master Killer is doing some old, you know, five percent, and he dropping the knowledge of, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the, 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 the cheap I reap and all that. And he like, yo, yeah. yo, 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 fuck that! Look at all these crab niggas laid back, lamping like yeah. the grand black pumas on my mass rack. Codeine was forced to get drink. You had a navy green salad made of fiend. Bitches overheard you scream. You two faced the scum of the slum. I got your whole body numb. Blowing like Shalimar in 81 sound convincing. Thousand dollar core pop conventions. Hands like Sonny Liston. You find permission, hold the fuck up. You know he's talking about Biggie on that shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am fashion your wig, bad luck. I humiliate. Separate the English from the Dutch as me. Black noble jewelry came in threes. We like the Genovese. Is that song? Season these degrees. is earth. 93 million miles from the first rough turbulence. The wave burst. Split the megahertz. I, and I'm like, yo, wait a minute. That is <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy, yo. Man, that, that fucking song, man. Yes, yes. It's everything, son. Like, yes. that, that shit is like. Yes. I need to see them do that live. I need to be there, man. Dude, I, I mean, I, 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 I've seen it live. And I, when I've seen it live, two people weren't there. So it's like, you know, it's always difficult when people ain't there because they don't do the verse. They just skip it. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you, you could have you did the whole thing. One yeah. thing I'm going to tell you to peep out, though. I'm going to tell you to peep this. If you've never seen this done on YouTube, the little Tiny Desk Concerts. The who? Tiny Desk Concerts. Never seen that. Look that up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They have MCs go in with live instruments, and they in this little classroom, and mm-hmm. they doing concerts. Okay. Look at the Rock Him one. Look at the Big Daddy Kane one. Look at the Jaru the Damager. Jaru the Damager. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, they got. Uh, I, I think they got Wu Tang on one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Keep that man. Like, you got it. You know what? Dope. I am familiar with that. I ain't know what they call it though. I, I have, I have seen. I see yeah. one with Rock Yeah, tiny desk concerts, man. That all that stuff yeah. is dope, bro. But yeah. yo, man, listen. We can go through this. We can go through this debate. I want to do the verses. Yeah. And I want you and I. We can go on IG Live and do it, man. And I don't mm. care if it's I don't care if it's ten people in there. But yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like we gotta go in there. We gotta pick out twenty five songs a piece. Yeah, uh-huh. those era, and I feel like we should go head to head, and I feel like we should be able to say what was the biggest golden era of hip hop in that time. Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. Like we I'm can advertise it. it, we can advertise it, and we can ask the question. 19, yeah. 1988, we can go eighty eight, we can go eighty seven to eighty nine mm. versus ninety two to ninety four. But how we had to work out the, the, the technical logistics of it. Um, yeah, yeah, because I'm thinking about. I'd love to do it. I'm trying to think about how would I do that. Um, I would. This is what I would do, and I was. I did a joke about with Teddy Riley is, you know, he was overproducing. I just yeah. had a little speaker. I had a little speaker, and I had my phone attached to the speaker, and I was just playing through my phone. So but they could you hear. can you can you play can you play music while you're on live though? I can. 
because I'm, I mean, I'm broadcasting. I'm I'm on my iPad and I'm using my phone. Oh, you know, okay. going through the thing. Yeah, I'll be I'll be on my phone. So. Oh, you on your phone? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you can have your computer set up. Yeah. Right. You can have yeah. a computer set up with your music and then play play your music through your computer. Yeah, yeah, I had to do that. And then hear it through yeah. your phone. Yeah, we got to do that. We got to do that, man. We got to do. We that. can work out the logistics, man, and and, yeah. and talk through it and do it, man. Yeah. Or no doubt. Guys, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah. We want to do that. We want to. Yeah. Do that. And we so, can have a little commentary in between or whatever. Be like, yeah, yo, yeah, this yeah, is what yeah, we. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is why you know, because I know you when you when you put that chronic and stuff on, like, all right, I got you. I yeah, feel yeah, you. yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We got to do that, dog. I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah, no doubt. No Let's doubt. Work that out. No really? doubt. Actually, we can probably do it. Um, we can actually do it on Facebook too. Okay. We could do it through. We could do it through Zoom, and uh -huh. then I could broadcast it over the Facebook page, and we could just okay. share. Okay. 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 That might yeah. be one way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Uh, all right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna set that up. We're gonna. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a week. Okay. And we're gonna we're right. gonna we're gonna make it happen. I bet. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, man, appreciate you coming in on the podcast, man. I know we went past the time, man, but listen, it's going to be one of them good ones, man. No doubt, bro. Appreciate you having me, bro. All good right, man, time. no doubt, man. Peace. All right, man. All right, later.